Hello and welcome to the first installment of the WHIP Radio Temple Football Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Singroni. Alongside me is Chris Kalski and Sam Cohn. Today we just came back from the Temple Football Annual Cherry and White Practice. This year was a practice compared to games in years past. And we got a little suntan out there in a beautiful weather, watching football practice. And we decided to hop in a room and talk about it in a podcast and what will be a weekly podcast once football season starts up next season, a, a part of the WHIP football broadcast team. So, gentlemen, welcome aboard. We got a brand new podcast kicking off, and we started on a beautiful day, and we watched some football practice. So just general thoughts, just general ideas of how the day went. Well, I have to say it was, it, it was really nice. Um, the environment was fun. You know, students and fans were interacting. Families were interacting. The players, I saw some players like Sean Bradley, Chappelle Russell coming up to some high school kids, whether they knew them or not, shaking their hands, taking photos. We had Avante Maddox there from the Eagles. I mean, it, it was a nice turnout. Beautiful day. It, it, it was a great event. Um, I wish that it was more of like the, the spring game as years past were. I would love to see, you know, some, some guys dueled out. We have some big competitions like the running back competition, running back competition. I would like to see more of that in, in aspect and more of a general sense. But mm-hmm. for everything around, the atmosphere was great. I think everybody did a great job putting it together. And I think the players looked like they were having a good time as well. Yeah, I think Chris touched on a lot of what made today a lot of fun and a special day. Is It was just it connected. You know, you have alumni, you have students, you have temple honestly just like temple football community to have them all come together for this first spring practice open to the public there was a lot of games going on there were you know new jersey devils mascot was there we saw hooter was mm-hmm. soaked i'm sure he hopped in the dunk tank at least once um but it was a lot of fun to just see everybody come together to celebrate this football team entering the new season there was a lot of a lot of good stuff going on yeah you m- mentioned the devil's mascot i believe i saw the princeton mascot and i look over and i'm just what the heck's going <laughs> the on princeton here? tiger what are you why are you here mascot? It, yep. honestly i think it just says to sort of the excitement around this program and it, it was really sort of it wasn't a game so there's necessarily not the big incitement around it but it was just a a good day around there's a lot of people coming in and just for a first year coach and Rod Carey and sort of just having to practice and you can tell there's there's buzz around the program and I think that just shows strides of how far the Temple football program has come. And having a number of the guys come from this team and have their names in the draft this year and a lot of names looking forward to the draft this year, I think helps put this program on the on the map a little bit more. So I think having that increases the uh the clout for this program. Yeah, and it was also pretty interesting too because you know, throughout the post game press conferences, a lot of things that the media were addressing was, you know, how's this fared to last year's Jeff Collins is more of a flashy guy. He wanted to make a big deal about it. And Ron Carey is all about business. He wants to play football. He wants to hit hard, and he wants to win some ball games and have fun. So I kind of thought it was ironic how you know a lot of people were asking the players, how did it compare to last year? You know, Jeff Collins making this more of a big deal. Rod Carey kind of just saying, you know what, we're doing this for the fans. So it was interesting. It was definitely a different taste, uh, mm-hmm. but it, it, it was good. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, Temple does this. It, it's great for the fans to interact, student body. The players, it's just a great time. It shows that, you know, th- this school cares about the fans and the football program. It's nice to have them all rally into one. Yeah, while there's the fan fest there, everybody chilling in the bleachers. Quentin Rose and uh, members of the basketball team were uh, chilling at certain Not Aaron McKee, walking. though, because he was Aaron ringing Mc- the bell. Yeah, he was down ringing the bell for the Sixers playoff game, which is going on currently while we record this. But it, you can just tell the excitement. But maybe during the practice, there wasn't much oomph to it. There wasn't, there wasn't much like, oh, like, I'm really hyper focused on this, or like I'm I'm really pepped to watch this. There wasn't a, a lot of just like vibrato yeah. about that. If that makes sense, it, it it was 
you know, to me, it, it kind of was a sloppy pro- practice. And, mm-hmm. and and Rod Carey, Sean Bradley, Chappelle Russell, they admitted it wasn't their best practice. Mm-hmm. And and that's great for them to admit this was a bad practice. And you know what? I, I get it. You know, it was a hot day, Saturday afternoon, you know, maybe a little butterflies. Maybe it's just, you know, all the fans watching them, all the alumni coming out. Maybe it was just, you know, they were a little, little, little butterfly effect in there. I don't know. But, yeah, you're right. really just didn't have, like, at oomph, I mean, we didn't really even see some big passes from like Russo or Toddy. Mm-hmm. You know, big. There wasn't even like a big electrifying play that everyone was like, "Oh wow, you know that happened." It was just kind of you know, a lot of just small things going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris, I think you summed it up well. That I mean, although it wasn't their best practice today, at the end of the day, it wasn't really about football. Mm-hmm. It was about just kind of getting together. Um, and the biggest thing for this team, as you kind of just alluded to, was like this is the first time they're really in front of a crowd like this. And the first time they're in front of these alumni, in front of these big names like Avante Maddox. There's a lot of younger Philadelphia area high school football players um, just looking who look up to these guys. Like it's not they, – they don't have the confidence yet. They will when come uh, – Come September, but you know this team is. I we I think they were played well in spurts, but again, it wasn't the best practice ever, and I didn't expect it to be. Yeah, no, I mean, I like, like you said, you made a great point. It was more about the fans and the interaction, really, the practice itself. And you know what? It's only this spring; they have a lot more time till August thirty first, and they score off against Bucknell coming up. So it's time to get they they have time to clean their their act up, which I definitely think they will. The biggest thing I I took away, especially from the media availability afterwards, and some of the um, hearing some of the guys talk, is the quote that I think we're good. We're not great, but we're good. That's their mindset right now. Is like they have a good group of good oh, yeah. core group of guys yeah. that can make some magic. Uh, come September, and they can get they can pull out good wins. But right now, they're just not there yet, which I don't expect them to be. It's only April; like you have a lot of uh, summer football yeah. to be played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, then there's definitely some particular reasons why they're not there. Obviously, first year coaching staff, so they have to learn some scheme. Uh, you know, not too much roster turnover. Obviously, losing some key pieces like Ryquell Armstead, Rocky Sin at the cornerback position. So, at the end of the day, this practice was. Basically, the first available practice open to media, usually during the whole entire spring, it was you just go in, really just watch like them 10, stretch. 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, watch them stretch, do some special teams. This time, we saw some performance out there. We saw some one-on-ones with wide receivers and secondaries. We saw some pass protection drills from the running backs. We saw a lot of different things. So now it's time to get into the nitty-gritty. We saw a lot of special teams, and they let Ed Foley get on the mic for uh, Oh, yeah, Ed Foley is on the mic. Foley. Yeah, 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 Ed Foley's on the mic. I, hopefully he can be on, uh, become the new DJ one day. But <laughs> at the end of the day, we finally saw a practice this spring. So if you had to pick out one thing or necessarily one thing you want to talk about just watching the practice, what would it be? And I guess, Chris, I'll start with you. I mean, I'm really excited for this linebacking core. I I really think, you know, call me crazy, but Temple, if all things pan out, I don't think they could just have the best linebacking core in the American Athletic, but maybe one of the most versatile linebacking cores in the nation. I mean, Mm -hmm. you think about it, Sean Bradley, Chappelle Russell, Sam Franklin, you know, Zach Mesday, these guys are very versatile at what they do. They all do different things. One thing they all do similar is they play hard and they have quick motors. And I think this linebacking core, this the, the, the roof, their ceiling is in the sky. I mean, if they could put it all together, they, they, there's a lot of veterans on that thing with a couple of young guys. They could really turn out and be something special. I'm pumped to watch them play. And they and they, and they looked really good in practice today as well. Yeah, one thing Collins and uh, the defensive quarter, uh, Andrew Thacker, did last year was they sometimes put people in a box, but in a good way. And when talking about the linebackers, they talk about they have potential to be one of the 10 best linebacking cores in the entire nation. And you think about it, you have five senior, five senior linebackers. Through, uh, two of them are could easily be first team all conference. One of them could be first team all conference at not only linebacker in multiple positions in Sam Franklin. Then Isaiah Graham Mobley is a killer yeah. on special teams, and he would be 
a, a, a really highly sought linebacker in this conference, but he's behind Sean Bradley and Chappelle Russell. So it, that linebacker position is just loaded. And, and uh, Zach Mesde, he he is listed as a DM, but he does play some linebacker. Right? Yeah, like, like they, 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 they kind of use him very. Yeah, the, the outside sometimes uh, they help out yeah, in coverage, and, and that's great. This defense is a little bit little bit different too, yeah. so still have to see and, that. And it's regard. great also too because. We know that that Jeff Knowles is is an aggressive guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he was aggressive at NIU. We know Coach Stewart, the defensive line coach, is aggressive. He was second in the nation with the blitzing last year, only behind Clemson. So when Sean Bradley was actually in the studio a couple weeks ago on on, on Stadium Talk, I asked him, "Is he planning to be more aggressive? Is that what Coach Stewart, Coach Knowles, want you to do?" And he says, "Oh yeah, that's one of the first things Coach Knowles basically said to us is like, we're going to get some sacks this year and we're going to go after the quarterback. So it's, it's going to be an exciting group to watch." I think for me the biggest takeaway from today is, and I guess the thing that makes me most excited about this season is just the optimism surrounding these guys. Mm -hmm. When you hear guys like Sean Bradley, Coach Carey, Chappelle Russell, tight end Kenny Yaboa, like hearing them talk about, even Isaiah Wright talking a little about guys they're excited about, guys on the other side of the ball that they're having trouble with, guys that they feel are really going to have breakout years this year. Hearing so much optimism come from these guys in April, I think is really awesome to hear and exciting to see moving forward. I think that just speaks on the maturity of this team. It honestly felt like it, after after practice when talking to players, felt like you're talking to NFL players, just how they, they carry themselves, yeah. how they spoke, how they answer questions. And this team's just so mature in how they go about it. And a lot of them going through the, the switch from Rule to Collins. And they admitted the first year after Collins, it was a really rough learning uh learning uh, adjustment with the whole scheme and everything, and they definitely struggled that season even though they got bowl eligible. But they understand what it takes to get through this, and they know how to handle it, and I think the way they're handling it just makes it easier for the coaching staffs and players to, to blend together. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more with you. One guy that I would have loved to hear from, but you know, say la vie is uh, Anthony Russo. Mm-hmm. They, you know, there was he had a minor hand. Um, get an X-ray. Not, yeah, he had to get an X-ray after practice. So I don't yeah, expect yeah. it to be anything serious, but would have loved to just hear his thoughts on a the way the day went, but more importantly, like who who does he like out there? Who does he? What are his expectations moving forward? Because at the end of the day, his mind is the mind of this Temple football team. Uh, speaking of Anthony Russo, it's a little off subject, but I want to I wanted to ask him how much weight he put on this off season. Because it's not it, it's not bad how much he weight put in. I, I'm impressed of how much bigger and bulkier and stronger he looks out there right now. I mean, you looked at him last year. He was a taller, muscular guy, but this year he looked like he's blown up. And and that's one thing that a lot of players and Coach Carey have referred to that he's been stepping up in the weight room, becoming more of a leader in the in the weight room. Braden Mack one time we referred to him as they call him Little Big Ben. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and I, I didn't wow. elaborate that's on interesting. it. Yeah, and you know, if I can get a chance to talk to Braden Mack, I want him to elaborate on that more. Is it because? His style of play, because you know, the more I think about it, the more I look at him, I go, "Wow, he kind of is like a body built like Big Ben out there." Or, or is it, you know, his mentality? I know I did, I, I should have asked Brandon Mack to elaborate on that, but I'm really impressed about how much you know weight Russo has put on in a good way. I mean, he looks like he's going to be a tough quarterback to bring down, and you know, he he still looks quick. His arm looks strong, and I I I like I, I'm impressed about how well he's trained this offseason to get to the shape he's in right now. Yeah, it definitely looks good, that Big Ben comparison. Yeah. It's interesting, just not only the way he's built, but the definitely the way he plays. He is mobile in a mm-hmm. sense. He can extend plays, get rushing touchdowns, get rushing yards with his feet. But you know, he can also stand in there, take a hit, yeah. and, and deliver a throw. And since Sam touched on it, kind of elaborate on this further, when, uh, it was during the 11-on-11 drills, I believe, when uh, the team moved the ball drills, when they're driving down the field. I think he was in the pocket, and the pocket was collapsing. Then uh, on a follow through and a throw, uh, he just jammed his thumb against someone's helmet. So he went and got so, X-rays. Yeah, but they, they they said they should be fine. Carrie didn't seem too worried about it. It's a bit precautionary thing. That stuff happens all the time. You see yeah. that 
And really, and that's one thing they worry about getting banged up. That's why they they spent yeah. a lot of emphasis today talking about you know they don't tackle in the spring. That's not the time to really get into it. It's more uh, learning scheme as you had talked about, or kind of just getting used to the flow of things around this new team and around this new system, especially with a new coach. But you know, come late summer, uh, they'll start they'll start tackling a lot more and yeah, deal with getting banged and, up. And speaking on the quarterbacks, you know, kind of just a little hot burning question on our, on our first episode here. You think this is Russo's job? Because I, I I do think so. But we've been hearing Kerry say and players a lot of say that, you know Todd Santiero has really been stepping up this spring and doing a great job. Mm-hmm. You think there's any you know quarterback competition or is it is this is Russo's job to lose? No, I think Santiago would just get packages. I it, it's really like really really Russo's job to lose. Like yeah. unless Russo really like. I, like a major injury or or just like honestly falls off a cliff there's no reason he he should lose his job i think he's proven it and and he'll have it but Santeo will definitely get some looks and he'll definitely get some packages and find his way in there. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think this is absolutely Russo's job to lose. He proved last year that he ha- he showed in- he showed in spurts that like he can be he can take this team to new levels. I think that if he comes out firing and this is his f- correct me if I'm wrong, this is his first season at the helm. This yes, is the yes, first yes. season where he's going to come out on game 1 and lead out this team. I think he's excited about that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And we had him on a show here at WHIP about a month or two ago. Um, and just kind of getting to talk to him about some of the off-season prep and things he's excited about and the way he carries himself. You want to talk about guys that are maturing on this team and guys that feel like they can they it feels like you're talking to a professional athlete. Anthony Russo is everything it, that embodies that uh, that idea, that mentality. He just feels like a pro. He carries himself like a pro and he definitely he says himself he wants to play football for as long as he can and I think that he's again it's his job to lose. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with you guys. It's just interesting to note that, you know, how much players and coaches have been, you know, raving about Centeno is really stepping mm-hmm. up. And, and they said the same thing about Kanik Bonner-Stewart, a kid who's a mid-transfer. He, Rod Carey, you know, always makes the joke that he should still be in high school, that his biggest mm-hmm. concern, he said in a press conference a couple of weeks ago, was he should be figuring out where his classes are. And now here he is dressed as the third quarterback in the spring game. Obviously, Trad Beatty was out. We, we heard that he had mono. Yep. Um, I don't really know what, where uh, Seth was. I, there was no really report on maybe he didn't dress for a certain reason. I didn't yeah. see him out yeah, there. They, yeah, they didn't give us a reason um, why he wasn't out there. But, you know, that that's great for, for Kanique Bonner-Stewart to, you know, be a mid-roll, mid-year enrollee and getting some reps in the spring game out there. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, Carey and other guys, they've been saying he's looking great too. Sean Rodman from, from WHIP has mentioned that when he went to practice, you know, they, they, they've talked about how good he's looking. So, Rod Curry said it, it. It's really not a bad problem. To, this is a good problem to oh, have. Yeah. Three quarterbacks that are capable of starting, even four, if you wanted to say Trad Beatty, when when healthy, he could have a chance to start any, another team. You know, that's not a bad. That's a good bad problem to have. Four guys who can at any time you could plug in and, and win a game with them. And they could take control. Oh, yeah, definitely. And to extend on Centeno a little bit more, it's an interesting dynamic because last year we're all basically saying the same exact thing when it comes to Temple football. Oh, this is finally you know, Frank Newtile. He's now at the helm. He's going to have game one and stuff like that. And you have some people behind him who are, who are interesting pieces. And Anthony Russo in the spring and summer last year, he, he looked phenomenal. I remember in the summer specifically, I was watching him. I was I thought that was a starting quarterback, but it was obviously Frank Newtile's team. Everybody was under that presumption, and everybody was just cool with it at that point in time. But in the summer, Santeo was just lighting it up. But Russo's looking good now, but if Santeo's letting up, it maybe has to spark some type of conversation. 
And yeah. at, the, at the end of the day, it, it just goes to show that this is a job that you're fighting for, and it's not guaranteed for anybody. It's it's not Anthony Russo's job. At the end of the day, it's not his job. You know, he's, he's got to go out every day. He's got to fight to keep that position. And I think he knows that, and I think he likes that because I think that brings out the best in some players. And I think from from you know talking to Anthony Russo, from hearing him talk, following him the last couple of years, you know, as a player. He, he seems the type of person that he likes to be motivated. And when, and when you push him, he's going to rise to the occasion. That kind of fuels him up a little bit. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, Mike, you made a great point, though, because, you know, with a new coach and Rod Carey this year, you know, I, I kind of feel like a lot of positions are up for grab because you have a new coach. He could he want to do things a different way. So, interesting to see if, if somehow maybe Centeno has a better summer than Russo and maybe Russo declines a little bit, which I don't see happening. If Rod Carey will just pull the, you know, pull the trigger and say, hey, Centeno has a better mm-hmm. summer, this is the guy I'm rolling with. Instead and, of making the same, not the same mistake, mm-hmm. but the same thing happening last year where it was, okay, we gave New Tyler a single digit. He was a starter last year. Russo looks better, but we don't want to, you know, get take this away from New Tyler. And kind of just to wrap up on this QB discussion, uh, this is the first time I've really seen Centeno work in the backfield. Uh, the ball was coming out of his hand. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, coming out of his mm-hmm. hand really well today. I thought he looked really good. And I'm obviously I am pro Anthony Russo as a starting quarterback this year. But I would not sleep on this guy Santeo the way he's played so far. Yeah, Kenny Abo after practice he said Santeo's really looking good with his arm. He has a lot of zip on on his ball and he throws in a pretty nice spiral. But last point, then we'll, then we'll shift the discussion. The sort of QB discussion didn't really escalate last year until after the first two games of the regular season. So I presume if there will be any escalated conversation, might have to involve a bad regular season performance or two from Russo. Which you hope it doesn't happen. We, we, yeah, you which really, is definitely. You, you don't want to start yeah, off Bucknell playing bad and Maryland playing bad and mm-hmm. then say, okay, let's switch it over to, to Centeno. That's not what you want. I mean, yeah. hopefully whoever starts our quarterback, they're locked in. And, and you know – Something just feels different about the situation. You know, yeah. I obviously Newtown last year, you know, I felt comfortable, but something just I feel more comfortable with Russo. I think it's just because we've seen him grow. We we know that, you know, a couple of years ago, maybe he wasn't as mature as he was mm-hmm. that right now. And he's constantly and, and, and coach and the coaches express it and players express it. He's been maturing year by year and made, taking huge strides. And that's what you want to see from your red shirt. We want to see from redshirt junior quarterback. Yeah, of course, and he also had a bigger sample size mm-hmm. when he stepped in to replace a starter than Newtile did when he stepped in to replace Marshy, and he also played tougher competition. Right. But to sort of shift to another position battle that that has a lot more questions surrounded and no idea who's going to be the starter is right behind the quarterback position at running back, and that's a wide open free for all. Anybody can go for it. So I just they kind of a lot of the running back drills were run pretty close to where we were all standing. So I'm happy we were able to get a good eye on them basically the whole entire day. So I just want to ask you guys: Is there a particular running back you were looking for today, or did you see anything particular, or is there someone that kind of stands out to to your um in your head when it comes to Temple running backs? Well, I think Jagger Gardner is the guy that pops in my head right away because he's the only senior running back on this team and the the only one of the only running backs who has a significant amount of carries and he still yep. doesn't even have that many. Um, I feel like you know it, it's nice to have experience. One interesting thing that I realized between the running backs was, and I don't know if you guys saw this as well, but they were throwing a lot of passes out of the to them out of the backfield, which you really didn't see because Rockwell Armstead that wasn't really his forte. He wasn't really a, a pass catching back out of the backfield. So I was interested to see a lot of guys like Jeremy Jennings, Jager Gardner, um, Kyle Dobbins. They were catching passes out of the backfield, and I wonder if that's what they're going to do a little bit now. Um, as far as the name that stood out, um, I mean, we we heard a bunch of players, you know, say Kyle Dobbins is the guy who's really kind of just, you know, stepped up. Jagger Gardner said it. He's one of the guys that have been stepped up. Um, 
Isaiah Wright, I believe, also said it after practice as well that, that Dobbins is the guy who's going to step up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested to see if he gets a bulk of the carries. I'm just interested to see what happens because right now, you know, when I spoke to Rod Carey about a month ago after practice, he said if he had to play a game today, which he was glad he didn't have to, that he would be a running back by committee. Mm-hmm. And right now, a couple weeks after that, listening to Rod Carey speak, I feel like it's probably the same situation right now. I feel like if they had to play a game today or tomorrow, they'd go running back by committee. And that, I, I'm okay with that. If that's what works, go ahead. Switch the tempos a little bit. Find the best piece until you can find a guy that can take it the whole workload. Yeah, Chris, I think you summed it up perfectly. I, um, the only other thing I'd add is to have a guy like Gabe Infante as your running backs coach moving forward into the season, I think is a huge piece for this Temple football program. Because for years, the running back position has been such a strength uh, within this team. So to have a guy like Infante who spent so much time coaching in Philadelphia and he won the Don Shula National High School Coach of the Year Award nominated by the Philadelphia Eagles. Like he's excited to be here. He's excited to improve this program and he knows that the running backs are a key part of this t- of the Temple football team. So he knows the position he's in and what he kn- he knows what he needs to do moving forward. Yeah, and it always seems like with a Temple football camp there's always someone that steps up and Kyle Dobbins, he's been that Last year, he was just getting reps here and there. Did Collins maybe mention him? Yeah, you know, he's someone who, who looks pretty good. He, he maybe has a bright future ahead of him. But this year, he's definitely getting more of a workload. And he looks bigger, too. And he's someone I'm, I'm kind of personally intrigued about because he's from South Jersey, all, you know, what, where I'm from as well. He played two years at Holy Spirit in South Jersey, then two years at Timber Creek before coming to Temple. And he was someone I always heard when, you know, being involved with high school football down in South Jersey. I always heard his name, so I was interested to see where he goes. And last year, he looked like he had some potential again to carries here and there we saw. But this year, he just looks bigger. He has more bulk to him. And it's it's interesting to see how he can play in with a running back by committee. I, I like the, kind of the dynamic he brings, but sort of bringing up Jagger Gardner and experience, he's the only running back on his roster who had more than 15 carries last year. Yeah. Running back. So that's... You expect him to be at least involved heavily, no? Yeah, and you know one thing that I think about is I think they're going to trust Russo a lot more with his arm this year. I, I think, you know, without having a, a a workhorse like Rockwell Armstead, until maybe they figure out a guy who they think they can give the bulk of the carries to, they're going to make Russo throw the ball a lot more. And I think Russo is going to rise to the occasion because one of the things that he stressed that he's working on this year is limiting the turnovers. Obviously, last year. He had 14 touchdowns to 14 interceptions. That's not a great ratio you want to have. So I'm interested to see, but yeah, I mean, it, this is this is probably the most interesting position battle on the roster because it's Jagger Gardner, who yeah, he had some carries last year. You would think he had he has like lane one to right. the starting starting running back position. You would think he has the inside track, like almost 95 percent sure it should be him. Right? But it, uh, it's it's not it's the case. not, That's the, not case. the case. Yeah, you, you would think it's the case because he's a senior. He played behind Rockwell Armstead. He, he mm-hmm. backed him up last year when Rockwell was banged up. But, yeah, you're right. It's it's kind of not clear. It's kind of – and, I and you know, from from a media standpoint, from a fan standpoint, it's kind of interesting because it's like, okay, it's a wide-open battle. I mean, you you, you know wide receiver – Isaiah Wright's going to be your number one receiver probably. You know what I'm saying? You know Danny, Danny Archibong's going to be your, your defensive tackle. You know there's not a lot of position battles. But for a position battle right there, to see guys that are going to be – they're going to be boom, they're gonna be doing it out. Gardner. Dobbins, Ruley, Jennings, you know, a couple other guys too. They're going to be doing it out. It's going to be fun to see who who steps on the field behind the quarterback week one. Yeah, definitely. Competition is always healthy. So it's not the worst thing in the world that you have four running backs to choose from, only hoping that maybe all you really have to hope is that two become very serviceable and you can ride that out, really. So 
we'll kind of shift off the position battles and we'll kind of look into the future a little bit before we wrap up here within the next couple of minutes. So kind of the broad question, the question I guess everybody asks when you're looking ahead to the next season, season expectations and anything you saw from today that can maybe alter them or uh, affects your judgment on next season. So one thing looking ahead to this Temple season is you're going to see their, their you're going to see their true identity within the first three weeks of the season. They play Bucknell, they play Maryland, then at Buffalo, and that big revenge game against Georgia Tech. Remember last year, Temple, they lose to Villanova, they lose to Buffalo. You kind of see what their identity is. You realize maybe, okay, we need to make a switch at quarterback. What's his team identity? If you see them come out and struggle against Bucknell, struggle against Maryland, struggle against Buffalo once again, you'll see, wow, maybe this team, what's their identity? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so early on in this season, they go... I, I say right to that Georgia Tech game. If they're if they're sitting there at at three and zero, two and one, that's a good spot for them to be in going into that Georgia Tech game. But honestly, I look at this talent. I look at this team. There's a lot of depth at every position. We talk about there's a running back competition, but there's four or five guys that could step up at wide receiver. There's four or five guys that could step up linebacker. There's like six guys that could step up. This team is deep, and I think as long as they play clean football. And they beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. Which last year, like I said, they should have beat Villanova. Should have beat should have should have beat Buffalo. Should have beat UCF in that game on the road on Thursday night. That was the game they had in their grasp. Can't do that this year. I see no. I I really think if Temple you know plays hard this year, which they seem like they're going to do under Rock Harry, this is a team I think that definitely can win their conference. I think the biggest thing I want to bring up in terms of looking forward in the season is uh, looking back to that Independence Bowl game against Duke, which Mike, you were fortunate enough to be there for. Um, having that game, having a bowl game under their belt, and we talked before about another season's year of maturity. These guys are old, a little bit older. These guys are a little bit more experienced. But that Duke game, I think, is still in the back of everyone's head. Like mm-hmm. they know they can get back to a big bowl game. Man, when they got schlacked in the uh, to a Duke football team, like they have a little bit of vengeance in their heart. And just to Chris's point, the these first two three weeks, that's what's going to set the tone. And they all as much as they probably won't admit it, they all have Georgia Tech circled on their calendars. Oh, so how do they, they come do. how do they come out the gate? How do they find their identity early? How do they, you know, find those little tweaks in their offense and their defense? How do they um, fix every all the little things before they get to that week 4? And you got to come out with win, with wins in those first 3 weeks. Yeah, definitely all the trials and tribulations of the past, you know, not only losing that bowl game against Duke, but also a couple years back losing that bowl game against Wake Forest. Now, in your last two cracks at Power 5 opponents in a bowl game, you're 0-2. And I think that's motivation. And they're heading into, like, an actual era. Like, you expect Rod Carey to be here for at least four to five years. And that's the other thing. There's really no reason. So, I think that adds a lot of sort of expectations and a different feeling heading into the season. Rod Carey is the third coach I've seen since I got to campus. Mm-hmm. Um, that when you have such when you have a school that's known for such turnover and coaches, I think this the other thing this Temple team is looking at is like we want to do well this season because we want to keep Rod Carey around. If we play horribly, I you know, you don't know what Rod Carey wants to do next if he walks or what, but I think as you were saying, Rod Carey seems like the kind of guy who could be around for a number of years. So you want a successful season in his opening tenure. Mm-hmm. And while there's still a, a lot of time left in, in as far as preparation, you know, summer practice will start in August and they'll have a month before the season starts. Just judging from now and I guess looking at the first practice I really have to wa- got to watch extensively. This team's going to win a lot of ugly games, I feel like. The and Rod Carey used to coach in the MAC and and 
Mac, ugly Tuesday night, you know, all that stuff is just <laughs> in a melting pot. So I think he's used to it, and he's not afraid to have some meat and potato games. And the reason I'm saying this is because while they're doing 11-on-11 drills in the final couple of sessions in the last about 15 minutes of practice, that defensive line was dominating the Temple offensive line. Yeah. And while, of course, once you learn a new scheme, the defense is always ahead of the offense because defense is a little bit easier to pick up than offense, they look good, and those linebackers look good, and the cornerbacks, there will be at least a couple people. I like Benny Walls at safety. I, I think he definitely yeah. has a lot of potential to kind of fill Delvon Randall. So I think this defense is really going to carry the team a lot. And the def- defensive line and Danny Archibong, one person we mentioned earlier, I think he's in for a big year to try to replace Michael Dalby's yeah. production. So I think it's there's going to be a lot of ugly games on the roster. And just looking at them, all these games scream ugly. Bucknell, week one, August 31st, just screams ugly matchup. You're going against Georgia Tech, who's finally running a normal offense. I guarantee, like, it's going to be hard for them to score. Buffalo's going to be a weird game. Then you have games at ECU and all that. Then Maryland, who loves playing in ugly, weird games. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of a lot of question marks probably still going into the season, I think, especially like around the running back position and even the cornerback position. Uh, one uh, player, Kamir Brown, he's not going to be ready for summer practice. And we don't and know about Harrison Hand either, which, exactly, is, which who, would be a big who, loss if he's not He's still going through the NCAA to try to get uh, waiver eligibility uh, being a transfer from Baylor. So there's still some people who uh, can produce because Kamir Brown, last year he even had a pick six. Yeah. Uh, Collins and Thacker were high on him, and, and he made some plays. So that's a name that was worthy of maybe getting a lot of reps who won't be ready for summer. So that just adds more you know, cl- uh, more clouds into the picture of, of some position battles. But there's going to be a lot of ugly games, but I, I think they're, they should be favored in, in majority of them because I, I just yeah. think talent-wise this this is different than other years. They have the talent to compete with any team on this roster. I, I agree with you. It, it's just something about this team, and I think it's, you know, it, I think, you know, maybe the fact that they had to deal with three coaches since they've been here, some of them four, you know, it, it's making them tougher. You know, they live up to that Temple Tough mentality. Mm-hmm. And, and these guys, you know, they're hungry, they're young, they play fast, and, you know, that's what you want from a college football team. And you know what? I think a lot of them are motivated by seeing these guys in the NFL. Tavon Young becoming the highest-paid nickel corner. Robbie Anderson becoming, you know, number one receiver for the Jets. I mean, Hassan Reddick going in the first round a couple years ago. Rocky Sin possibly going in the first round. These kids are realizing, you know what? Sure, we're an American Athletic Conference, but we this school, they produce NFL-ready talent in the first round, later rounds, whatever. This school produces, I believe they have the second most players in the NFL in their conference, only behind UCF. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this this is great. The program is really stepping up. And, and you're right, Mike. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think this, this, this feels different. This depth feels different. This roster feels different. There's something special on this team. Yeah, de- definitely. And definitely a season you're really looking forward to because there's, there's a lot to prove. And you're really excited to see the ceiling of this team because there definitely is a high yeah. ceiling. And one one buzzword, that's a Temple buzzword, you got to keep it down in your Temple bingo dictionary, especially when it comes to football, is Temple Tough, and which translates to single digits. And we're going to play a little one quick game for the next couple of minutes before we sign off for the first time, is guessing the single digits, because right now there is only two, right? two, two solidified. That's Sean sh- Bradley, number five, and Chappelle Russell, number three. They are single-digit Did- players. So you still have seven other numbers to solidify in your single digits. So we're going to guess the single digits. Did Coach Carey spell it? Like, I don't know if I heard this wrong in the press conference, but did he say that Sam Franklin's single digit or he was he going to be? I don't recall that. Because I thought he said something like, yeah, you know, we have Chappelle, we have Chappelle single digit, Sean single digit. Sam. I thought he said something about Sam. And I don't know, maybe, and maybe he was going to the next point. But I, I was a little confused. Not confused, but I wondered. I'm like, whom? 
Is Sam Franklin going to get a single well, yeah, digit? It, it, it makes sense, and I'm, I guess I'll spill the beans early. Sam Franklin was going to be one of my guesses for the remaining th- single-digit numbers. I, I think so. so I, I think saying Sam Franklin would be a very highly educated guess. Okay, so that's three. Okay, what so that's one, three. Uh, so the three, basically the three starting linebackers. One other name I want to throw out was a, uh, Christian Braswell, cornerback, um, more experienced Ooh. guy. That's that's a that's a very that's a very good name. I think uh, I think having a guy in the secondary single digit tough to take over for Rockison's place is um is definitely one they'll keep in mind. Yeah, I definitely see someone in the secondary getting the number. Last year, obviously, you had two yeah. in, in the secondary, and I guess front runner for me now to get the secondary single digit at this point in time still have to go through summer is probably Benny Walls. Okay. Obviously, I'm not in a weight room, so I don't see like other dynamics with other secondary Benny players. Benny Walls is the name I, I was going to I would up. think Benny you, Walls is probably the front runner there because I remember Adele yeah. Bond tweeted out after the season ended, like, Benny, you got this next. Yeah, and, like, yeah, you're yeah, next yeah, in yeah. line. You got this. You're all that stuff. And he's setting high expectations for himself. So yeah. I, I, I expect him I, to be I in a running for I see Linwood Crump possibly, too, as another guy. I mean, it, it's going to be one of those three guys in the secondary. Um, one guy who I definitely think is going to get it is Isaiah Wright. I mean, he is. Does he one? does he get the number one? Does he get Ventel Bryan's number one? I was gonna yeah. I was that's, gonna bring that's up Isaiah the Wright's. toughest. Should we save that for the end? Who, who yeah, we think gets the toughest? I think he might digit? go. Yeah, I don't know what number he's. He's definitely going to be single digit though. I think he's senior. Rod Carey stressed the fact that he's one of those. You know, he's really doing a good job catching on. He's smart in football, knowing the game. He could play. He's going to play everywhere this year. You know, so he he definitely deserves a single mm-hmm. digit. All right, here's a question I kind of we're obligated to bring up when talking about single digits. Anthony Russo, I mean, he just looks just so seamless and perfect in number 15. But does he get a single digit? Because he wants to establish himself as a leader and the leader, and it looks like he is doing that. So does that get him a single digit, or does he look too good in number 15? If he goes out there and has a great spring and continues his stretch, there's no doubt about it, I think. You know, Mm -hmm. I think Kerry gives him a single digit because, you know, you want your quarterback to be your leader. And to have, I mean, you think about the quarterbacks in the past. P.J. Walker, single digit. Frank Nutile, mm. single digit. Anthony Russo, he's going to continue that, continue that tra- tradition and become single digit tough. And maybe he's the one who gets number one. I'm hesitant to give Anthony Russo a single digit number. A, because he looks really good in 15. But B, I mean, when you we just talked about, you know, a couple minutes ago about this, but it's not a quarterback controversy. I think right now it's evidently Russo's team, but it's not guaranteed. I think at the quarterback position especially, yes, he's your leader, but at the end of the day, anything can happen come uh, come the fall. I think we talked about the Santeo, Trad Beatty, like these guys all look pretty good. Mm-hmm. When you have such a good core of quarterbacks, I would not be so quick to give Anthony Russo. Well, if he goes out there and proves himself and, and continues to be the number one, then I think he deserves it. I mean, he's a redshirt junior. He's been working his butt off in the weight room, in the classroom, on the field, off the field. If he goes out there and keeps having a good spring, you want to give it to a guy like that because guess what? I could tell that mean, it would mean a lot to him to get that single digit. And you and your quarterback, to me, if he could be the leader of your team, that's a good start. So I, I think he deserves one. Okay, by my count, we have four single-digit spots left. Actually, no, do, do we unanimously give Isaiah Wright a single digit? Because I, I, I'm on that. Okay. I think so. So we have, th- we have three single-digit spots left now. So they don't give him the I, offensive uh, lineman. Well, right? they, 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 they get, Matt like, Hennessy did technically he got the offensive yeah. lineman single digit because he can't wear yeah. one by rules since he's going to be down in the trenches and stuff like that. So he'll get one, but like he technically got number three single yeah. digit last year. But Chappelle uh, Russell wore it, but uh, Hennessy just wore a sticker on his helmet signifying I, single digit. I think one guy who we've mentioned a couple times is Danny Archibong. He's going to be filling okay. in for Michael Dogby. I wouldn't be surprised if he wears a number nine that Michael Dogby wore. 
I, I could I could definitely see that. What about one name I want to throw out? Actually, two names: Kenny Aboa and Brandon Mack. So I was thinking Brandon Mack. Okay. Um, but do you give it to two receivers? Do two receivers get single digits? Well, technically, why not? No, 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 you, no. You no. Can, I'm saying can definitely you can, ask that, but. but yeah, I, I I'd assume it will be at least one, and especially if you give Isaiah Wright one. I like the Kenny Yaboa so like, pick. I think giving it to an experienced yeah, I think guy that, works. that can yeah. block well. That you know he can he's got good hands. He can catch the ball at the tight end position. I I do like that pick. Okay, so by, by that count, since we give we we have one left, since we're giving either Brandon Mack or I, I say Kenny Yaboa gets it. Over Probably Brandon. I would say. Okay, so we have one more single digit left. Leave it to the season for somebody to fight for it. Leave it to the season. Yeah, I'm not giving it out now. I, I have a couple names in mind. Okay. Quincy Roche. Okay, that, that's he, a good he name. Could, he could be a guy Very that can get name. it. Maybe one of these running backs, maybe Jagger Gardner turns it up and has a really, you know, mm-hmm. continues and has a really strong spring and he's a senior and he's a running back. Maybe they give it to him because you think about it, they love giving it to running backs. Jahad Thomas, Rockwell Armstead. Um, maybe even uh, Keon Bruton. Keon okay. Bruton uh, yeah, in the secondary, definitely. another guy. Maybe we're thinking about guys... I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but what if Harrison Hand is eligible? Maybe Fran Brown knows him. Fran, Fran, obviously, Fran Brown knows him, but I'm saying, you know, maybe you, you think about Rocky Sin last year. He came here single digit right away. Maybe Harrison mm-hmm. Hand kind of follows what Rocky Sin does. He come here, comes here, becomes a leader. Fran Brown knows what he brings to the table. He coached him at Baylor. He recruited him. Maybe he's another guy who gets it. Yeah, d- definitely. A lot of people are, are in the running for that. Maybe Isaiah, Isaiah Graham Mobley yeah, could, could be someone in the running. But Maybe they rotate that number. Yeah, like they, d- definitely they... still a lot of things to consider. There's still a lot of growth. As Chappelle Russell said, we're good. We can be great, but right now we're just good. So there's still a lot of growth for the Temple football team. They'll have basically these next couple months just get in the weight room, learn some more scheme, watch some more film before yeah. they get out there, throw the pads on again. Then the next time they do have the pads on again, they'll be within one month of their season opener on August 31st at Lincoln Financial Field against Bucknell University, which coincidentally WHIP Radio will be broadcasting live on the radio. Completely so, coincidentally. Co- completely. <laughs> just a complete coincidence. Except just just none, had to mention except that. none of us will be there for that. Yeah, game. yeah. We, we won't be there. We will be at the Georgia Tech game, right? Yeah, we got, our, we got the our first we, home Oh, game. yeah, nope. we got the pro- – oh, no, I think we got the Maryland game as well. Oh, Maryland, yeah, that's the first home game. Yeah. Then they have Georgia Tech later and We got the month. primetime Maryland game, yep. so that, that that's going to be nice. It's um, going to be a fun one. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm curious to see how they do it this year for the single digits because I know in years past it's sometimes a coach does it. Sometimes the players do it, so it's interesting to see because you know there could be some guys who we're not mentioning that that they get they get a single digit because we don't know maybe we don't see how they are in front of the team or they are behind closed doors. Maybe they act like a leader and we don't really see it, mm-hmm. which is cool because then we can say, wow, you know, we didn't even think of this guy that can be a single digit, but the, the players felt he was capable of it. So I I, I love the tr- tradition of the single digits. I'm glad Rob Carey is keeping the tradition going. Oh yeah, what a, what a tradition! It's always a fun thing to talk about. It's it's a little playful thing to talk about too. You get a little smile on her face, and not get into the nitty gritty of football. Yeah. So I, I guess ending off on that great conversation, I think that's going to be our segue into the closing and basically our sign-off, which will be our first sign-off of many podcasts to come next season once summer uh, practice gets started. Thanks and, for having us on, Mike. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, Mike, you guys will you. definitely definitely be on. We'll be shuffling people in and out, and 
you'll definitely be on plenty more times. And me and Chris, we will have the halftime report uh, on the broadcast team. Oh, yeah. So oh, definitely I'll be, be down here by a lot the of us together. Yep. Pretending to take photographs while I, <laughs> while I try to talk to players or see what's going on down there from the sideline. Oh, yeah, definitely make it work. So for Sam Cohn, Chris Kalski, I'm Mike Singroni, and that was the first WHIP Radio Temple football broadcast. And after you listen to this and you want to give us a name suggestion because WHIP Radio Temple Football broadca- uh, Podcast might not be the best name, feel free to drop us a name suggestion as we're still working on that. But once it comes to the next episode, when it comes to summer and fall season, we'll have a name and we'll be back ready talking Temple Football action. So thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs>